Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, um, welcome to the show. We're, uh, it's an exciting week. You know, there's a lot going on in the, in the sports world. We got the U.S. Open going this week out mm. in L.A. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, and it's right when they, the live golf tour has mm-hmm. merged, you know, with the PGA tour. So that's kind of overshadowing the whole thing this week. And, uh, it was overshadowed last year, unfortunately, by the same issue, but the other direction, it was like live golf had just, had sprung, had you just, know, yeah, onto started, the scene. Right. So poor U.S. Open's gotten it on, <laughs> taken it on the chin twice here, but it'll be an interesting week and, you know, it, it'd be some interesting golf out there for golf. sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, we got the, the inflation numbers came down. The market's having a great week um, up through today, which mm-hmm. is Wednesday when we're recording this. And, of course, we don't know if the Fed raised rates or not. Um, we'll know that in four hours here yep. on Wednesday. So by Friday, by the time you listen to this, you'll know the answer to that. But it looks looks promising they may not. Yeah, the so, markets responded accordingly, right? We, absolutely. They, you know, they priced it in, and, and then it was it was lower than expected. And so the markets, we saw a nice little pop in there. So, yeah, it's it's been an interesting week. Yeah, so a lot going on. And uh, speaking of a lot going on, I mean, we have some great topics here. Um, we have the seven financial decisions that you'll regret if you do those. Oh wow! So yeah, forever. So it's, we don't. You don't want to do those. You don't <laughs> yeah. listen to these. That's you gonna be, yeah. That's a good, really good article. Don't do these. And yeah. that, that's from Kiplinger. Then we also have one uh, from Ramsey, the Ramsey uh, Network, and it's um, we're we're gonna be talking about tax fraud and uh, what to do if you find yourself in tax fraud, and also just general uh, understanding of of what that world is. So yeah, and that's from Ramsey. It's a good article as well. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, mom. I'm uh, Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 28 years of experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a certified financial planner and I'm an advisor here at the firm. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday. Um, so you can check us out through our website, moneymd.net, or on iTunes. Um, listen to us anywhere in the world. We have all our old shows right there on the uh, on the website and uh, so sorted kind of well they're listed by date but they're they also have the title in there so you can see mm. the topics and go and pretty much find a podcast on social security medicare investing insurance pretty much any any topic you can think of has been covered over the last mm. 10 years wow so that's great a lot of information out yeah. there on our website go go check us out and a lot of links as well um to some useful tools. Um, so, uh, and then also send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. We'll talk about those right here on the show. Uh, well, Matthew, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, I personally don't have any experience with this, but um, this was um, just a, a tidbit of information. And the question is, how much does it cost to have a baby? And obviously this fluctuates greatly. Uh, if there's complications, it can be more. If it's uh, you know, done at different health institutions, it can be less. Um, but on average, it's right around nineteen thousand currently to have a child. Now, it's less less than that if you wow. have insurance. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, if you don't have insurance, the cost is is about nineteen thousand. Um, and you know, so what this you know how we see this affecting finances is you know we encourage people to 
have a small emergency fund to get out of consumer debt and then to build a larger emergency fund and then pass that to move on to you know your next goal is like investing. If you're planning on having a baby, there could be a reason to pause on these next steps and to build up cash so that you have some flexibility and liquidity as you're having this this child because it can be very expensive. Absolutely. And I think you obviously want to have insurance, you know, right. if you're going to get pregnant. Um, so because that's definitely, uh, it's covered by insurance, you know, just in according mm-hmm. to the Affordable Care Act, I think maternity is covered by just about every insurance yep. that qualifies. So you want to make sure you get that. Um, it's expensive. Uh, yeah, Zach would know this really well, wouldn't exactly. he? Yeah, he has four kids, so right. young kids too. So, uh, but uh, it's getting more expensive all the time. So you certainly want to pay attention to that if you're if you're in that stage of your life where you're thinking about having having kids. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good fact of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the seven financial decisions you'll regret um, if you do those uh, forever. So, <laughs> good topic here. Okay. From Kiplinger, um, uh, Bob Nedit, I think, was author of this one. But, you know, Matthew, I mean, we all have a few financial regrets in life, right? Um, I mean, who doesn't make some mistakes? But, you know, there are uh, there's a big difference between making an impulse purchase that you might second guess the morning after and making a major money decision that can hurt your, your finances for a lifetime, you know? And so... Um, what they did was they they polled dozens of financial planners and experts and surveyed them. And so here are some of the costliest mistakes that people can do with their money and how to avoid those. Um, not in any particular order here, but number one on the list uh, is borrowing from your 401k. Yeah, so taking a loan for, from your work retirement plan like a 401k can be tempting after all, it's your money, so you're the only you're only paying yourself back with interest. As long as your plan sponsor permits borrowing, you'll usually have five years to pay it back with interest. But short of an emergency, tapping your 401k is a bad idea for many reasons. First, you miss out on the investment growth from the money while it's out of the market, and you're likely to reduce or suspend contributions while paying it back, further damaging your retirement. And so that means that you may come you may come up short of your retirement account um, for years uh, and sacrificing em- your employer matches. Uh, keep in mind too that you'll be paying the interest on the 401k loan with after-tax dollars, then paying those taxes on those funds again when the retirement rolls around. So the interest is double tax, which is obviously not a good idea. Yeah, no, definitely not. Not as good as it seems, you know, even though you're you're paying the interest back to yourself. Yeah. And if you leave your job, you know, the loan has to be paid back within 60 days or it's considered a distribution and it's taxed as income with a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. So, yeah, before borrowing from your 401k, certainly explore all the other loan options um, and don't just just don't do it. It's kind of the bottom line. I mean, leave your retirement alone if at all possible Think of another way, you know, do budgeting, put off the expense, whatever you need to do, but but try by all means not to borrow from your 401k. Big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one. Second one is claiming Social Security too early. Um, now, you know, a lot of people start taking benefits at 62, um, and, and that's okay if you need it. I mean, that's what it's there for, but if you can avoid that, you probably shouldn't do it um, because most financial planners recommend waiting until your full 
retirement age before tapping your Social Security, you know, and even waiting until 70 can be even better. I mean, let's say that your your full retirement age um, is where you're at. And at that point, um, you would receive 100 percent of your of your benefit. Um, and if that's 66 in 10 months, for example, um, then you'd get about 30, uh, well, about 30 percent more at that point for the rest of your life. Um, but if you hold off until 70, you're going to get about a 32 percent boost in benefits and 8 percent per year for four years um, as that goes up to age 70. So, you know, thanks to those delayed retirement credits. For couples, keep in mind also that the survivor gets the higher of the two benefits for the remainder of their life as well. So the higher number will go for two life expectancies, whereas the lower benefit will only last for one life expectancy. So that's another impetus for you to delay your benefit if you're the one that, that the spouse that has the higher benefit. Um, so, so anyway, you know, alternatively, you can stay on the job longer as part you know, part-time if possible. Um, you know, there's plenty of ways to, to, in this gig economy, to earn extra cash these days um, while your Social Security benefit grows at 8% per year for life. So we certainly would recommend considering that when you retire and delaying if at all possible. Yeah, and Steve, on that point, we were meeting with someone um, soon who has a very large pension and he uh, chose single life option on there. And so, especially for him, and I know you mentioned this, but especially for him, we're going to recommend delaying as long as possible yeah. because when when he passes away, assuming he passes away first, his wife will get a small piece um, just because of how the pension's lined up, but the yeah. majority of the pension's going to go away. So delaying yeah. as much as possible, increasing that social security benefit um, really is a longevity protection for the wife you know, again, assuming that the husband passes away first. Yeah, and even another other benefit of delaying is that it gives you time to do Roth conversions. Yes. You know, if you're if you're in the category where Roth conversions make sense, if you delay your Social Security benefit, your income will be lower. You have more room in the twelve percent tax bracket or twenty two percent, whatever bracket you're in, to do those Roth conversions. That's so. a great another great point. Yep. All right. So this third one is paying the minimum on your credit cards. Another another costly mistake, right? Americans. Uh, plastic addiction is is taking a toll on their bottom lines. The average household with debt owes around eighteen thousand on credit cards, according to a personal finance website, NerdWallet. Uh, it can take years and years and years to potentially pay off that credit card debt with the amount of mounting interest costs, uh, especially if you continue to charge more. Right, if you're increasing that, right, and and you're not paying that off, and you're just paying the minimums, it, it can stay around for for a long time. Consider this example. Uh, if you have a $5,000 ba- balance on a card with a fixed rate of 18%, typical of what banks are charging these days, uh, if you only make minimum payments, it, it can take nearly 10 years and 1800 in interest to eliminate that $5,000 debt. Yeah, exactly. So so what do you do? I mean, first you stop making new charges and you create a budget to cut your expenses, right? So you don't keep adding to these credit card balances. And then second, you start paying extra on the smallest balance until it's paid off. Um, And then once the smallest balance is paid off, you add that payment to the next smallest balance until that's paid off. That's called the debt snowball, right? And this snowball effect will accelerate. It gets you out of debt faster than you probably realize. 
Um, then once you get them paid off, you know, you destroy those cards. I mean, just maybe keep one for emergencies only. Um, put that in your safe. But, you know, above all else, I mean, live within your budget. And, yeah, just don't get in that trap of charging every single month and, and running balances on your credit cards. That's a dangerous trap. Um, the next uh, decision you don't want to make here is putting off saving for retirement. You know, as financial professionals have, you know, have heard, you've heard the refrain before, you know, I'll start saving uh, for retirement when I make more money. Um, we hear that, you know, pretty often. But that, that fiddling while Rome burns, it will not cut it in the retirement years um, as retirement grows nearer. I mean, most people do not start to aggressively save for retirement until they're in their 40s or 50s. And the good news is these people you know, are still have time to, to, to change and to achieve their goals, but they will need to take immediate action and change their mindset about money. I mean, it takes a lot of determination and discipline. If you've lived your lifestyle of not saving for 20 or 30 years as an adult, um, you know, that won't happen overnight um, or just with another New Year's resolution. You know, Morningstar calculated how much you would need to sock away each month um, to reach the magic number $1 million uh, saved by age 65. So assuming a 7% rate of return, you'd need to save $381 a month if you start at age 25. Mm -hmm. If you delayed to age 35, that $381 a month is $820 a month. That's a huge difference. If you delay to age 45 from age 35, that, that $820 a month goes to $1,920 a month. So it, it more than doubles um, just for 10 years. And then if you delay to age 55, 1920 turns into $5,778 a month. It's unsustainable. I mean, wow. nobody can save that much, right? So it almost triples every 10 years you wait. So you want to start early and you want to hit it hard. That's the bottom line when it comes to saving for retirement. Wow. Yeah. And those numbers are just incredible uh, to think through those in specific. Wow. All right. Well, this next one is uh, overspending on your kids. Um, uh, sure. Right. We want our kids uh, to have the best, best education, best wedding, best everything. And if you can afford it, um, you know, by all means, open, um, you know, you can be open to helping them get a great start in life. But footing the bill for, uh, for private tuition, lavish, lavish nuptials at the expense of your own retirement savings could come back to haunt all of you and ruin your golden years. Uh, you cannot borrow from your retirement living. Uh, we really would not encourage that. Uh, but you may have other avenues beyond robbing your retirement to help fund a child's education. Parents and their kids should explore scholarships, grants, uh, student loans, um, and less expensive in-state schools in lieu of raiding their retirement nest egg. Another money-saving uh, recommendation, community college for two years. Um, you know, you can then follow that with transferring to a four-year college. Uh, no one plans to go broke in retirement, but it can easily happen if you don't put up some firewalls around your retirement savings. And, and one, one more thing I'll say to reduce college expenses specifically it's something called college-level examination prep, CLEP. Mm. Just would encourage you to Google it if you have kids approaching college or 
in the high, late high school years. So great, great option, but that's another another tidbit. So it's like getting college credits before you get to college. Yeah, you pay so eight, you pay eighty dollars and you get a book, and if your you know high schooler or college student passes it, you get three credit hours. And like I said, it costs nice. eighty dollars. It's a pass fail. It doesn't affect your GPA. So great option, CLEP. Wow, nice. Okay, yep. I like that one. All right, next one here on the list is foregoing financial advice when you need it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we all can use a hand once in a while, especially when it comes to the tricky aspects of our financial lives. I mean, for example, you know, there was a widespread panic. If you remember back during the Great Recession um, and, you know, the sharp stock market drop in 2008 and 2009, you know, many investors, they sold out near the bottom and irreparably damaged their financial future as they missed like a 90 plus percent run up over the next 12 months as the markets recovered. Um, and it's because they didn't have the discipline or the accountability that a financial advisor or professional, you know, could have helped them with. Um, so investors who are on their own, they tend to buy high, they tend to sell low oftentimes. And so when you're supposed to buy low and sell high, you know, in the stock market, obviously, um, that's a time when a financial professional or advisor can really help you. Um, you know, advice isn't just limited to investments, of course, as well. I mean, the right financial pro can assist you with everything from taxes to insurance <clears throat> to retirement savings and estate planning. And, you know, you can cost yourself tens of thousands of dollars in taxes and losses with poor financial decisions. So good advice can certainly pay off um, <clears throat> for you and your loved ones. Um, common but avoidable mistakes such as dying without a will or failing to designate the correct beneficiaries for your retirement accounts could leave your heirs in limbo and even see your wealth go to the wrong people. So anyway, you know, as with everything, like doing taxes or, or you know, handling your finances, if you're not competent and confident to do it yourself, you need to get some help because those kind of mistakes are irreparable, really. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, and this last one is um, <clears throat> this last mistake that we that advisors have seen and we've seen in our in our with our clients is to just simply avoid the stock market, shine away from stocks because they seem too risky. It's one of the biggest mistakes investors make. True, the the market has plenty of ups and downs, but since 1926, stocks have returned an average of about 10 percent per year. Uh, bonds, CDs, bank accounts, and annuities don't even come close. Um, conventional wisdom may say that the stock market is risky and therefore should be avoided if your goal is to keep your money safe. However, this comes at the expense of low returns and failing to beat inflation. In fact, uh, you are simply replacing one risk by, by avoiding the stock market and trading market risk for the possibility of your money not keeping up with inflation and running short in your latter years. Yeah, that's right. And while there are no you know guarantees when it comes to stocks, I mean, you can lessen the likelihood of taking a big hit um, with the right diversification. That's the key. Um, you know, keep your money in a mix of different asset classes like large, large value, small, U.S., international stocks. Um, we favor low-cost mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, because those you know, are a way that you can own thousands, a piece of thousands of companies without having to buy individual stocks. Um, so if you aren't comfortable picking your own funds, again, hire a financial advisor to help you. Um, you know, retirement accounts need to keep growing to finance retirement that might last 30 years. 
You do, however, need to ratchet down the risk as you age and gradually reduce your exposure to stocks, but you still have to beat inflation. So you still need to have some exposure to stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so just be aware, you, you got you to gotta have some of your assets in stock market if you plan to beat inflation and not spend down your assets rapidly in retirement. So anyway, avoid these seven mistakes. You'll, it'll go a long way to helping you avoid regrets that can pile up in your golden years and prevent you from having a comfortable retirement that you deserve. Mm. So that leads us up here to our question of the week. And this question is simply, what is debt consolidation and should I do it? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, debt consolidation is typically whenever somebody goes and gets a a debt consolidation loan, like a personal loan from a bank um, that they can go pay off all their credit cards with, and then they replace it with this one loan that's hopefully at a lot lower interest rate. Um, you know, and that sounds really good on paper and looks good on paper. Um, the reality we see, though, Matthew, what, what people are doing is they're spreading out the term of the loan. You know, rather than paying off your, your, your loans, your credit cards, whatever, in five years, you've now taken out this personal loan that might have a 15-year amortization. Mm. You've just spread out the payments over 15 years, and you've consolidated them, and now you, you pay off your credit cards, you get all your... You're, you get the pressure off. You get all these all these cards paid off, and but they're still there, right? Mm. The problem's still there. Um, you're still doing the same lifestyle, still doing the spending. Um, you, you've you've cut down on the payments that you're having to make. You've you've kind of amortized that debt out over a longer period. Um, so the tendency that we see is for people to go run their cards back up, so they end up with more debt, mm. and you don't you never solve the real problem. Mm. So. The right answer is not debt consolidation, but the debt snowball that we just talked about, paying off your credit cards, paying off all your debts, get them paid off, one and done. And then, you know, and you do that through budgeting and changing your lifestyle and making some meaningful changes mm. in in your habits. That's good. So, uh, yeah, that's the answer to that one. Good, good, question, good question of the week. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is... Um, Tax fraud, you know, what is it? Um, how do you avoid it? Uh, how do you avoid doing it yourself? But also, how do you avoid having it happen to you? And what do you do if you're a victim of tax fraud from somebody doing it to you, so to speak? Yeah, and so so this is a, an article from Ramsey. And um, yeah, so, so tax fraud is basically, it is being... Um, dishonest or it is doing some illegal activity with taxes and it's either tax, you know, evasion or it's uh, stealing information. And um, so, so tax fraud is, is obviously illegal and working with professionals can help uh, avoid this. But also, you know, one thing we'll be talking about, Steve, is, hey, if you have been a victim of tax fraud, what is, what is some, what are some ways, what, what are some things that you should be thinking about and how, what, what can you do to protect against that? Um, so I guess just an, a simple definition would be, um, you know, what is tax fraud? It, it would be anyone, um, anytime someone purposely deceives the government to get out of paying taxes. And again, this can look like someone who uh, is purposefully doing this or someone who's un, unintentionally doing this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it happens a lot. I mean, we see all sorts of people that either knowingly or unknowingly, you know, commit tax fraud. You know, it happens. We see these famous cases, of course, with, you know, celebrities and people that, you know, 
obviously intentionally, you know, commit tax fraud and, you know, the Martha Stewart's of the world that didn't pay for, you know, some, some trade or something, you know, <laughs> right. are out there. Um, but then there's, um, there's a lot of examples of people that, you know, just simply, you know, are running a business and not, you know, it's a cash business and they're not paying taxes on the, the income that comes in from that business, um, from the cash. They don't report it on their tax return. Right. Um, or, you know, they, they, when they do their taxes, they, they take some liberties, um, that they really shouldn't take on their tax return. So, you know, obviously you want to be careful about that and, um, and you want to just simply not do it. Um, it's not worth it. Um, you know, I mean, so when you comes to your own taxes, I'd, Certainly, you know, recommend you, 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 you be above board and, you know, make sure that you're reporting all your income. Um, you know, even if you're selling Bitcoin, you know, right, right. Hyper currency, you know, it's a reportable event, you know, so you, you got to know what you're doing and you can't plead ignorance, um, when it comes to taxes. <clears throat> um, so, uh, but you know, there's a lot of people that, that do these things knowingly as well. And, um, and that you don't want to be in that camp for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, some ways that some criminals have done this to steal this from individuals, um, you know, would be using a false social security number to file. Um, they could pretend to be a legit tax preparer filing these returns for unsuspecting customers and maybe pocketing the refund money. All these types of tax fraud um, can hurt people and they, they ultimately hurt the individual um, that they are doing this to. Um, and, you know, so, but, you know, they can also steal your information. And that's, you know, that's one thing we want to comment on as well is, you know, knowing who your tax preparer is is important. If you do it yourself, making sure you're understanding the process, if you're mailing it in, getting the right address. These are all ways that you can mitigate the risk of someone stealing your information. Obviously, you know, we would recommend not carrying your social security card in your wallet. So if you lose your wallet, that's not in there. Um, there's ways to mitigate the loss of your identity, um, which then would, you know, reduce the risk of this, this, um, this fraud on your behalf. So, you know, the, the key takeaway would be to, um, you know, understand, understand who is filing your taxes and, and what, um, you know, what, what you're expecting from your standpoint. I would say there's some things to look for too, that you need to be careful of. Like whenever effect filing season comes around, um, what happens is somebody that has stolen your identity, they file a fraudulent tax return on your behalf before you file. Mm. And then, and then they claim a big, a big refund and that refund will come and they'll put their own bank account in there. So the refund goes to them. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's a fraudulent return that's not correct. It has wrong information on it, but it was enough for them. They knew enough information that they had stolen from you to be able to file a tax return. Mm. So whenever that happens, um, you might get a mailing or, or an e email or something to your, to your own uh, email address or to your own <clears throat> um, house, you know, indicating that, you know, refund was filed. Um, mm -hmm. You might get some kind of communication. And then when you go to file your return, what happens is your return gets rejected because it's already, it's been, already filed. been filed. And right. that's when you find out. So, but you want to look for clues, just look for any, any strange communications mm -hmm. that you might get um, to indicate that, uh, that somebody may be filing on your behalf, particularly in that January, February timeframe mm -hmm. um, of when, when tax filing season starts. 
So, but what are some of the things we can do, Matthew, to, to what are some of the steps to take if you're a victim of tax fraud? Yeah. So, so, you know, a couple of them would be if you've, if you notice some of that suspicious activity that you just mentioned, it would be to report it to the IRS right away, right? So you, uh, the IRS is never going to text you or email you and ask you for your social security number or anything, you know, like that. They already have all that information. And, you know, if you, if you notice that it's been filed already and it's not from you, notifying the IRS right away is, is very important. Another one would be to keep records. Um, you know, we typically recommend seven years of, of financial documents, keeping that. If, if you have more than that, it's fine. Uh, but, you know, up to seven years would be a good uh, amount of time that if you had a problem, you could go back to that point and, and figure out what's going on. Um, so keeping records would be another one. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you want to submit something called a, an IRS identity theft affidavit. Um so there is a form that you need to submit to the IRS, and you want to do that immediately. And that's uh, that's really your official identification uh, notification to the IRS that there's been fraud on your account, and uh, for them not to process any more any more refunds uh, that that may be submitted. Um, of course, you want to keep paying your taxes. I mean, you don't stop paying your taxes. You don't want to get behind on that. Um, so, and then you want to go to one of these three credit bureaus, um, and and maybe all three of them. Uh, you know, Experian, uh, Trans, TransUnion, and uh, what's the Equi- other Equifax. Equifax. There you go. All three of them. You want to report a, a put a fraud alert on your account with the three credit bureaus, so they know to look for any other activity that may be fraudulent, and then file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. Is another step you can take. Um, that also just documents that you've been a victim of fraud and. Uh, you know, will hopefully flag the government to, um, you know, not process any other fraudulent claims against you. So, yeah, good steps to take, something to look forward to, um, to look out for, <laughs> not yeah. forward to and, <laughs> come and, tax filing time. And Steve, one more thing. If you are hearing this and you have questions about an email or something you've received, please reach out to us. We'd, we'd be happy to look over that or just give you advice on that uh, from that standpoint. Absolutely. All right. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. And uh, so, Matthew, what this is, is, you know, it's vacation time, right? It's summertime. Time to start planning your vacation, um, even if it's a quick, quick trip, um, like the one that I just planned to uh, Branson, Missouri. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Going next month. So, um, yeah. So just a quick trip that I planned, you know, and we've never been there before, you know, and they got a lot of shows and things and and they got some really nice golf courses. I want to go play some of that. Um, but, you know, the deal is you, you need to look for package deals. You need to figure out some ways to save money this year because vacations have gotten very expensive. Mm. Inflation with vacations has skyrocketed more than other areas of your of oh. your expenses, of your life. Um, lodging, there's a big disconnect between luxury lodging and the average lodging mm. now. Um, used to be closer, but luxury lodging has like doubled in price over the past few years. It's, it's kind of crazy. So like on this, this trip I just scheduled, I saved half on lodging simply by staying at a more average hotel than the luxury hotel that I would have preferred. Um, so you got to choose where you want to save your money. And I think it's a good time to do that. You know, you can save a lot on lodging. If you just step down a notch on lodging, maybe you spend that money on activities instead that haven't appreciated so much. 
Um, another thing is the flights, you know, have some flexibility on your flight schedule. I saved half on my flight by moving my schedule one day. Wow. Just one day from leaving on a, on a Wednesday to Sunday to leaving on a Tuesday to Saturday. Wow. Um, so, you know, having some flexibility can save a ton. Um, that's just two quick examples, but it's vacation time, start planning, do your planning ahead of time and have some flexibility, choose where you want to, where you want to spend your money. Um, because there's some big discrepancies out there for vacation travel. That's your prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.